Well, at this time, I want to invite the children to the, their children's program just down the hall. Just follow the crowd that heads that way. <clears throat> I don't want to get your hopes up, but I've been kind of sick, so if I feel, you know, I can't finish the sermon, then we just go straight to potluck, so um, either way, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. I don't know how your uh, New Year's resolutions are holding up so far. We're at day six. I don't know if you've been, been reading more, you know, eating less, working out, all those things uh, that we, we plan to do. Uh, it's probably about 15 years ago. Uh, I went to the doctor because uh, my knee was really messed up. I had been doing a bunch of things. We did snowboarding that I hadn't done in a while, and we were building houses in Mexico, and I was trying to teach my kids to do, I think it's called the shuttle run, which is about the worst thing on a knee you could do. Anyway, my knee was messed up, and, uh, and I also had the beginnings uh, of a hernia, just to get real personal here. And so I went to the, I went to the doctor and told him these complaints, and uh, he's like, okay, well... Um, Messed up knees and hernia once, you lose 25 pounds. Like, but doctor, I want you to just fix these things for me. Um, but it turns out that I could actually greatly improve my physical health by doing something very uncomplicated and, and free, which I always like free. Um, all I had to do was uh, lose some weight and things would be better in, in the particular problems that I had. And I thought, I even know how uh, to lose weight. And I've uh, said in my family that I want to write a book that just has two pages. And the book's entitled The Complete Guide to Weight Loss. And chapter one says, eat less. And chapter two says, exercise more. And, uh, and then the rest would just be um, the footnotes. Um, so I, I know how, and I know people want to, to argue because my wife reminds me, it's, it is more complicated because it matters, you know, what you eat and, and things like that. Yes, I... I consent to that. And we want some other, a simpler way, a pill, a procedure. We want to maybe just buy some clothes that just make us look healthier. We have all these other strategies. But the simple fact is that a regular habit of eating less and exercising more leads to uh, uh, better physical health. And I'm not an expert on these things, obviously, and that's not my topic today. My topic is spiritual health. As we start this new year, how is your spiritual health? Oh yes, I have some pictures just to inspire you there. What's the condition of your soul at the beginning of 2019? Uh, Do you feel malnourished in your soul? Are there signs of sickness? Like maybe you've been plagued by a spiritual doubt. I don't know uh, what to, I don't know if I really believe this, or there's some things I just can't quite accept. Maybe you're losing the battle with lust. Or maybe your life has been sapped of the joy of the Lord. Or maybe your responses to things, the knee-jerk responses, are, are harsh words or short temper or selfishness. Or maybe God just seems really distant. All, all kind of signs that think, things are not... Um, really healthy in your, in your soul, in your, in your spirit. Well, there's really great news for, for anyone that's in that condition, and I think that we all tend to slide back into that condition. And the great news is, our, our big idea today is that you can thrive in your relationship with God. You, you don't have to have a sickly soul. 
Your soul can flourish. Your inner person can be filled with health. You can experience vitality in your relationship with God. Your life can be spiritually productive. It can be spiritually fruitful. These things are all uh, completely possible. And Jesus actually tells us how. (laughs) And one of those places is in uh, the Gospel of John in chapter 15, which we'll be spending our time in this morning, uh, especially the first 10 or 11 verses. If you don't have a, a Bible or... A Bible app or something uh, with you. There's Bibles in the pew in front of you, and, and I believe this is on page 901. Uh, the setting here is that Jesus was with his close disciples um, in the upper room just before he was arrested. This, this, same, um, this same setting that we, uh, we talked about with communion. Uh, thank you, Kurt, by the way, for just leading us so appropriately into that. This time with Jesus and his close uh, friends, his close followers, was an intimate time of prayer and instructions before he would be taken away from them. So it's a very significant um, time. So this morning, as we look at this passage, we will actually see what the key to thriving in our relationship with God is. And we'll look at three kind of essential habits that support thriving spiritually. If any of this kind of rings a bell... Uh, we did talk about this at the beginning of last year. But, uh, but for those of you in the 9 o'clock hour, you know that we need a refresher because when I do those pop quizzes, um, so far, it indicates that we, we should return to these things. Back to the essentials. What, what are we basically, uh, if we stripped away all the peripherals, what are we supposed to be doing here? And uh, this morning we're going to focus on thriving in that all-important relationship the one with God. So John chapter 15, verse 1, starts out like this. It is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, this is the seventh and the last of the great uh, I am statements in John, where, where Jesus uses these uh, kind of word pictures or metaphors to reveal his, his character and his relationship to us. And here he says, I'm the true vine. Verse 2. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, well, he prunes that it may bear even more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Um, well, those of you, which is pretty much all of us here, who live in the Central Coast, we are not unfamiliar with uh, grapevines. And so this is... Uh, this is imagery that shouldn't be a stretch for us to imagine. So in this word picture, Jesus is, is the vine. I don't know if you can see in this image here, along the bottom, there's the, the substantial uh, vine. And the disciples, those who follow Jesus, are like the branches connected to the vine. And the vine dresser, God the Father, uh, it's real obvious to him which uh, branches are not doing well because they're all dried up and dead. And it's, you can just tell at a glance the ones who are disconnected from the vine. And so here uh, in verse 4, we have the key to thriving, the key to a fruitful life, the key to a healthy spiritual state of being where everything is right in your soul. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. 
As a branch, it cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So abiding is the key to living a fruitful life as a follower of Jesus. But abiding is a word that we don't just, uh, just throw around in our, our regular vocabulary. Um, and so it might take a little explaining. Its basic meaning is to, to remain or dwell. I'm talking about the Greek word that's translated abide. It means to remain or, or dwell or to stay. And I think in this context, uh, the best way I could describe it is this. To remain in close, dependent, relational proximity. So the branch is connected right to the vine. It's drawing its uh, nutrients from it. And, uh, and this is all in a, a relational context that Jesus is talking about here. So I think the best way I could describe abiding in this setting is to remain in a close, dependent, relational proximity uh, to Jesus. Well, verse 5 says, uh, again, I am the vine and you are the branches, kind of continuing the metaphor. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, this is the only way we thrive spiritually is if we abide. It's not just a way or a way to do it better. It is the only way we can do anything spiritually productive is if we are abiding. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So very serious language here, isn't it? Serious business. But the question is, how do we abide? How do we remain in that close relationship with Jesus? I think in the following verses, uh, there are some hints to it. Some hints of some, some habits, some actions that help us abide. But, but beyond this passage, these, these three things that uh, I'm going to share are major themes of the whole Old and the New Testament. These are not some obscure you know, thing you have to dig around to find in the Bible. This is, this is like all over these three things. And the first essential habit to foster a flourishing relationship with God is we need the Bible to thrive. Now, you'll notice with this one and the other two that these are going to seem so simple that, uh, that I think you can miss them or you can discard them. It's like, well, of course, we learned that, you know, the first day in Sunday school. Um, the Bible, you need that. But seriously, <laughs> we need the Bible to thrive. Verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Notice how remaining in Jesus goes hand in hand with his words remaining in us. We, we dwell in Jesus' presence when his words dwell in our hearts and take root in us. His words, we're talking about uh, the Bible. How, how do we get God's word in us? Um, how does it dwell in us? Well, well we read it. <laughs> um, we listen to it. We commit it to memory. We reflect on it. Am I telling you anything uh, new or groundbreaking here? 
And not really, but we have to do it. It's our lifeline. How do, that's how we get God's word into us, but how do we get God's word out of us? I, I don't mean how do you extract it from us, but how does it, how does it bubble up out of us and, and, and spill over? Uh, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, then you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. In other words, you have to do it. <laughs> The Bible is not just a text to, uh, to study. We need to, to apply it. And throughout the whole Bible, as it refers to uh, God's words to us, the emphasis is, well, I'm going to say rarely, maybe even never, is the emphasis on studying the Bible. It's always on doing it. It's always on em- embracing it to consider the implications in the Bible, and then responding accordingly. That is the emphasis um, when we talk about uh, the Bible. In this, this all-critical habit. Uh, my wife got this cool gift from her sister, uh, one of these uh, watches that tells you about your health and whatever. I think it also tells time, it's true. But um, it tells you how many steps you've taken and, and all these things and whether or not you slept well. It's pretty cool. We're both kind of fascinated by it. Um, but you know what? Sitting there and reading the instructions for that device, or even sitting there and, and analyzing all the data it gives you, does not contribute to your health. You can look at that thing and say, oh my goodness, that's so interesting. I've taken seven steps today. And... Uh, and you could talk about that, you could discuss that, you could look at all those features, and it doesn't help at all. Unless you look at that piece of information and say, oh my goodness, they recommend 10,000 steps. I should, I should get up and start walking around right now. So sometimes, in churches like ours that love the Bible so much, uh, we can approach uh, God's word like sitting and reading the instruction manual for our device. And uh, our conversations in small groups um, sometimes go on a trail of, let's talk about how many little uh, tidbits and interesting details and how this reminds me of that and, and look up the, well, I'm guilty of this, looking up all the, the original language words and et cetera. But that's not what the Bible's for, is to look at it and get up on the cou- off the couch and, and do what the Bible says, to internalize it. So what will be uh, your plan to internalize the Bible uh, in 2019? Uh, it's great to start off with, with an idea, you know, if we're going to have a, a corrective. Um, I know several of you have read through the Bible in a year. We have a bunch of Bible reading plans in the hallway. A really great idea. Sometimes the whole Bible uh, is uh, too big of chunk, and uh, we have Bible reading plans to read uh, portions of the Bible. Our small groups um, for Sunday morning is going to uh, follow a plan to, uh, with a suggested reading that will, that will cover the whole Bible in the year. And then the passages we study will kind of come out of that section each week. Um, there is on the back table uh, the reading plan for that. You can, you can take one of those home. You can check it out. Uh, lots of tools that you could use. Um, there's an app that, uh, that my wife uh, showed me and we've been using 
if you go to uh, readscripture.org, that'll, you can download the app directly there, or thebibleproject.com, and you can see um, uh, the reading plan and intro videos to Bible passages, a, a really great, great tool um, to uh, help you read through the Bible. We just, you need to do something to get God's word in you. Because we need the Bible if we're going to thrive. So to flourish in a relationship with God, we need to remain or to abide in his word. But we also need to remain in conversation with God. Uh, we call that prayer. We need prayer to thrive. Ver- verse 7, the rest of it, well, I'll just start over in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I was reflecting on this thought this week, is that when our hearts are filled with God's words to us, that's what we were just talking about, then our words back to God are filled with his heart. When our hearts are filled with God's words to us, then our words back to God are filled with his heart. And that's when amazing things start happening. (laughs) He says, uh, it'll be done for you. These things will, will happen. You know, asking something of God, well, we call that prayer. Prayer is also expressing thanks to God, uh, confessing our wrongs to him, praising him, etc. Uh, prayer is simply conversation uh, with God. So to remain in close, dependent, relational proximity to God, uh, you have to talk. <laughs> you have to pray. In marriage, when spouses stop communicating, then relational barriers grow. Uh, The distance uh, sets in. Two people can live in the same house and be miles and miles apart uh, relationally if they've stopped talking. It's true of every relationship. When communication stops or is really sporadic, then their relationship uh, shrivels up. This is completely true of our relationship with God. He's invited us into an ongoing conversation. And when we turn that down and neglect and cut them off on our end, then our souls just shrivel up. (laughs) So what's your plan to maintain a conversation with God in 2019? Uh, When when will you pray? What will you pray about? Uh, We have some some tools, and there's plenty of others available. Um, We have, for a little bit here, used the acronym that's P-R-A-Y that just kind of uh, uh, sets a very general framework for the basic kinds of biblical prayer of starting with uh, praise and in worship, thanksgiving. And then um, that, that's also on that table in the back as you go out and some other information on prayer. I found it helpful to journal when I pray. It helps me uh, focus my thoughts. I don't write out every word that I pray, but, um, but, it, but it does two things. One, it helps me focus my thoughts, and also it helps me to look back and see how God has, uh, has responded in those things that I've I prayed about. There's just some ideas for you. Prayer is not a tool to get something from God, and sometimes we approach it that way. As if, um, well, if we get enough people asking this thing, or if I pray hard enough, or, you know, I sweat enough when I pray, or whatever it might be, then it'll tip the scale, and God's like, well, okay, now I'll do it for you. It just, it just doesn't work that way. Instead, prayer is a habit that fosters abiding. It's a relational habit with God. It fosters um, spiritual health in our souls. 
It maintains our relational proximity to God, you might say. So we really, really need prayer to thrive. Again, this is very revolutionary, isn't it? No, these are things we know. We just need to, we just need to do them. So just like the habits of Bible and prayer that are so interrelated, uh, this third uh, essential habit is interrelated, and that is we need worship to thrive. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus invites his disciples to sit down and dwell, remain in his love. To, to bask in it, to be uh, grounded in it, to be, to be rooted in his love. Just to realize, ah, oh, this is incredible. When we realize how great God's love is, we, we adore him back. We adore him for his love. We adore him for his glory. We adore him for his righteousness. He's just perfect. He never does anything wrong whatsoever. We adore him for his infinite wisdom, for his power. <laughs> We're just enamored with God. Man, he's just, he's just incredible. He, he blows our minds. We need to take time to stop and consider that. What, what does a habit of worship look like? Uh, I think it looks like regularly reflecting on God's worthiness and expressing it back to him. We routinely think about how great God is, and then we, we just say that back to him, or we sometimes say it to each other. Sometimes we sing it to each other about how wonderful God is. We, we sang this morning about just some of the amazing attributes of God. So what, what does maybe a, a plan for a habit look like um, of worship? May, may I suggest that um, part of your plan is to make... Uh, regular participation in this worship service, we call it, uh, make that a priority in your life. Um, uh, we provide this uh, not, not for us, but, but for you. <laughs> uh, a time to, to come and gather the saints and to reflect together on just how precious God is. That's what this service uh, is for. Um, Along with that, I think it goes a long ways if we come to this service prepared. <laughs> um, don't just rush in here from whatever uh, panic you had going on. I know it was harder when our kids were younger, and so I know there's different stages of lives when there's just so many things going on. Well, confession, I would just leave Heather with the kids and come here and get ready, and she'd, she'd deal with them, but uh, thank you, by the way. Um, but uh, there's things that we can all do to come in a state of heart and mind, being expecting to, uh, to, to worship. Um, engage in the service while you're here. Maybe uh, the songs or instruments are, are not your favorite. Maybe they, maybe they grate on you. Maybe you love them. Whatever it is, uh, I guarantee that there is plenty of content in our service to turn your attention to how wonderful God is. So, Whatever it is, you have plenty to uh, plenty of material to go on in our services here. By the way, I do think our team did a great job this morning, so thank you. That wasn't a knock against you guys. <laughs> I do love it. Um, make worship a priority in your prayers. Uh, start off your prayers by just reflecting on how great God is. Don't go right to your, your list. 
That's, that's more like what you would write to Santa Claus. You know, dear Santa Claus, I'd like to, you know, I'd like a, a BB gun. I'd like uh, Grandma to get well. We go down the list. That's, that's not how it is with God. We come before him realizing he's the king of the universe. <laughs> and he has invited us into a relationship. He hasn't just asked us to send him, his, send him our list. So start our prayer with worship. And maybe there's other ways just to incorporate worship into your week. If you have a commute, you can listen to, to, uh, to Christian music, or you can reflect on attributes of God while you're sipping your coffee, or you can make a habit of a, a silent walk on the beach. This is such a beautiful place, and just uh, thinking about God as creator. There's lots of ways we can incorporate worship. But we need worship to, to thrive, to remain in that close, dependent, relational proximity with God. So let, let me just clarify before we end here. This is not a sermon about three more things to feel guilty about as you start the new year. It's like, oh man, I already know I needed to start doing this thing or that thing, and now I know I have these three other things that I have to do. Uh, it's not that. It's also not three ways to impress God to get what you want. It's certainly not that. But instead, It's God's invitation to draw close and three habits that respond to that invitation. I think that makes a world of difference. God wrote you a love letter that tells us all about what he's like. It tells us everything we need to know in order to have a close relationship with him. It tells us everything we need to know to to have that relationship with him forever. Uh, Are we going to open it up and, and read it? God's made himself completely available to listen and respond to our concerns, our heartbreaks, our failures, our joys, no matter where we are. Uh, Will you talk to him? I like to think of it more in those terms. So what will be your plan to thrive in 2019? What what habit needs uh, attending to? What, What shifts in your course? And you just might discover six months from now, a year from now, that you are a different person. It is, this is not a, uh, a self-help, you do these things to get there. These are ways to place yourself um, in a posture of dependence on Christ, who is the source of all of this. See, it's like the branch and the vines. In that way, it's very much unlike um, the exercise and and fitness analogy, because the source is Jesus. And these things just place us in a posture of a a dependent relationship on him. So uh, he has invited us into something very, very special. And uh, these three things are, I think, essential core habits to maintain that all-important relationship. Yes, there's other factors Yes, there's other things going on. Yes, sometimes you need spiritual uh, surgery. Like, I actually ended up having to actually get those things fixed I talked about. But, uh, but you also need to have a regular habit of these three things, of God's word, prayer, and worship, in order to be uh, well in your soul. So here's the challenge today. is Just make your soul health top priority in 2019. You might have other things you're working on as well, but... But uh, this is the one that's eternal. You know, 
bodily exercise you know profits uh, a little bit but but spiritual discipline that profits uh forever <laughs> forever in your soul so uh as the team comes back up let me uh let me pray for us Lord God, uh, it's just humbling to think about how the God of the universe has invited us uh, into a, a friendship. Not, not a friendship of peers in any way, but, but uh, a friendship nonetheless. You've given yourself to us so that we might uh, know you and, uh, and love you because you loved us first. I pray for... Uh, for myself and for everybody in this room, that in the coming weeks, that we'd make a, a priority of these things, and then we begin to see you uh, shaping our lives, um, being nourished by, by Christ himself. Um, thank you so much that uh, you've not left us just to, uh, just to struggle in our souls, but you have provided a way for us to, to thrive in the most important relationship uh, in the world and so we we come and we give thanks and we throw ourselves at your feet in christ's name amen